I have some bad news. One of your friends has passed away. At the funeral, your friend's spouse, disheveled and broken, approaches you after the memorial service. That person hasn't been able to speak much, but they give you one question. Why do I have to suffer like this? I'm Michael Spencer Harmon, and you're listening to Real Philosophy, a show that argues all philosophy is vain until it gets real. This time on Real Philosophy, we're going to discuss something that may not seem to have real practical application, but in fact, despite being heavily discussed in philosophy in general, does indeed touch our lives in a very personal and real way. And that is the problem of suffering. Now, to begin, what we wish to do, as always, is define the topic we are discussing. When we bring up the topic of the problem of suffering, we do not intend to discuss just any suffering at all. And we don't mean to discuss necessarily the existence of pain as a phenomenon. In fact, if we were to do that, we would miss something that, though a bit counterintuitive, does in fact exist in reality and that is the fact that some people can actually derive pleasure from pain. Now, I don't, but it's known to happen. So we cannot discuss pain in general as a phenomenon. We cannot address that logically if we wish to resolve this problem of suffering. In fact, not all suffering is deemed as a problem. So that is not what we wish to discuss either. Not just any suffering, not just pain, not just suffering that isn't deemed a problem at all. No, what we are intending to discuss today is unwanted or unnecessary suffering. Why does unwanted or unnecessary suffering exist? And how do we resolve that? How do we resolve the existence of unwanted or unnecessary suffering?
This is a tough question. This is not going to be resolved in a 45-minute or however long this is discussion. This hasn't been resolved for hundreds of years of discussion. However, we are going to attempt to explore it right now. And if you want to resolve a problem, you need a solution. The solution to the problem of unwanted or unnecessary suffering seems to depend more or less directly on the view of unnecessary suffering's cause. In other words, perhaps obviously, if you wish to resolve a problem, you have to address the root cause of that problem. And therefore, many solutions to have been proposed in the past and contemporarily today rely on presupposing or proposing a particular cause of that suffering. To begin, we're going to take one that seems to be particularly pertinent in discussion today. One that involves, for better or worse, the philosophies of Nietzsche and Schopenhauer. That view states the following. Suffering is caused by the will. Therefore, you must remove the will to resolve unnecessary suffering. Let me say that again. Suffering is caused by the will. Therefore, to resolve suffering, you must remove the will. And when we say will, we mean someone's personal, active capacity to live and behave. Now, for better or worse, this is also the view taken by those who claim that the root of all suffering, of all unwanted and unnecessary suffering, is what they call sin, or disobedience of a deity's precepts. That is because that disobedience relies upon an act of human will. So, this position claims that the root of unnecessary suffering is will. Therefore, you have to remove the will. There are several problems with this. Even though it might seem to work prima facie, there are several exceptions. One of them is natural disasters. A lot of seemingly unnecessary or unwanted suffering is caused by natural disasters. Nobody in particular says, well, I'm going to cause 
name a natural disaster. I'm going to cause Typhoon Tyrone. <laughs> Sorry if your name's Tyrone. I don't mean anything horrible by that. I'm going to cause Typhoon Tyrone right now by my own act of will. No one can do that. So to say that suffering is rooted in will seems to have a problem when it comes up against the suffering caused by natural disasters. Furthermore, not all sin, and I'm addressing the religious portion of this proposition, not all sin is an act of will. What do I mean by that? I mean, you don't deliberately decide to sin all the time. So to simply remove your conscious decisions, your striving and your selfishness, while good in practice and while that may indeed resolve many, many things, that doesn't seem to be the root cause of unnecessary or unwanted suffering. Because... For better or worse, under those precepts, from within that realm of discussion, not all sin is volitional. Not all sin is by decision alone. Sometimes, the worst kind of unnecessary suffering is actually caused by a lack of will by a lack of decision-making, a lack of awareness and knowledge that what you are doing is wrong. If you say to someone who hurts you in this way, well, you just need to remove your ability to volitionally decide to do this wrong thing, that doesn't remove the possibility that that wrong will be committed by mistake or by ignorance or simply by omission, by not acting. So that's another problem with this position. A third problem with this position is that not all acts of will cause suffering. For example, the volitional good behaviors that are committed, the sacrificial acts, say of a parent for his or her child. Those are acts of will. You remove the will, even if you removed all unnecessary suffering. By removing the will, you might also remove all of that volitional good. That doesn't seem like a very wise or enforceable position to take. I certainly wouldn't want to get rid of all the good in the world that's caused by deciding to do so simply because I wanted to avoid all unnecessary suffering. And even if I did, that doesn't prove, as we've discussed, that suffering is caused by that will. A lot of the opposite, a lot of blessing is caused by will as well.
So again, that doesn't seem like a particularly cogent position to take. A fourth possible problem with this idea that suffering is caused by will and therefore you need to remove the will to get rid of that suffering is that it would seem if you lose your will, you also lose your life. We have a phrase for this, don't we? The will to live. Most of the time it's in jest, and it should be. It should be a joke. Losing my will to live, that's a joke. But the reason why that phrase exists is because will seems to be the undergirding foundation, not just for a meaningful, practicable life, but for a social basis for existence. The will allows you to live and connect with other people. So if you remove the will, you remove that ability to live and connect with other people. In fact, not all life is suffering. As we've discussed in one of the previous contentions, life, especially decisions in life, can cause much good. Think of all the good things that have happened to you because of someone's decision to do those good things, or all the good things you've experienced because you decided to experience those good things. Life is not all suffering. So if you remove the will and you remove the ability to fully engage with and enjoy life, not only are you not removing all suffering, you're also removing the very foundation of existence for many people, if not everyone in general. So again, the position that suffering is caused merely by the will and therefore you need to remove your will seems to have several different problems with it. We cannot resolve the problem of suffering simply by removing personal will. You can remove it. Engage all the consequences thereof, but you're not going to be removing all unnecessary or unwanted suffering by doing that. Because that is not the root cause. Well, okay, someone may hear that, try to adjust their position, and postulate, well, suffering is caused by bad actions then. All you need to do is remove the bad actions. Maybe not all will, don't remove all the will, just remove the bad will, remove the bad actions. One particular question 
that arises because of that postulation is, what exactly are you calling bad? That which causes suffering? That seems to be circular logic to me. Well, the way I'll just remove all suffering is to remove all suffering. How do you do that? How do you know which actions are bad until they cause that suffering? And then, by then, you've already caused the suffering. You're not removing it. Even if you could do that, even if the bad actions themselves were the root cause of all suffering, which they are not, we've discussed that in other contentions for the prior position, natural disasters and such, unvolitional acts, what I'll call non-volitional acts, cause suffering. But even if, even, even if you could remove bad actions, how would you remove them exactly? Would you try to remove them by algorithm? We all know what that has been causing in the world of social media manipulated behavior and influence, poor calculation, ulterior motive behind such algorithms. And in that case, whatever is quote unquote bad would be put in the hands of those developing such algorithms. That doesn't work. What about the bad actions that those people would commit? Do you really think that that would be effective? No. Even if you could try that, even if you did it from some detached position, right now it's very hard to believe and argue and prove that robots could comprehend the whole of human experience. Simply imitating or mimicking whole human experiences doesn't mean that they're being felt. Doesn't mean that they're being understood in the same way. It just means that they're being shown as the same. A Wizard of Oz behind the curtain idea, if you will. So you can't do it by algorithms. You can't do it by computation alone because it requires a fundamental understanding of humanity, of humanness. If you decided to remove bad actions by, say, punishment and deterrence, which is what m most of human society has tried to do through laws and incarceration and so on, if you were to punish the person for those bad actions, remember, you're just trying to remove bad actions. Now it would seem that you're somewhat throwing out the baby with the bathwater. You're sacrificing the whole of a human being to remove some bad actions. And even if you did that, not only would the bad actions have already occurred which means you didn't prevent them and remove them, 
but you might be causing much more unnecessary and unwanted suffering out of proportion with those bad actions. So not only would you not be removing them, you'd actually be contributing more suffering. In any event, any of those possible solutions would seem to relate to the will anyway. And again, as we've discussed, there are certain instances of unwanted suffering that aren't caused by the will at all. Perhaps unwanted suffering is caused by negative sensation. Perhaps a third person might say suffering is caused by negative senses, negative feelings. So all you have to do is replace the pain with pleasure or numbness. Instead of pain, you get pleasure or numbness. Therefore, all unwanted suffering just goes away. Not only does this seem to once again reside in purely human-based unwanted suffering, so we're avoiding natural disasters altogether now. You understand that. That's already a problem. But even if we passed over that, overlooked that, and we said, we entertain this person's position, we said, okay, well, let's, let's just look at this. You replace pain with pleasure. If pain is just less intense pleasure, number one, wouldn't it be viewed as pain anyway? If that's all you ever experience, you're just shifting the scale. You know, from negative 10 to 10, and you shift it, and now it's 0 to 20 you still end up with the low end of the scale, you know? Instead of negative 10 now, it's just zero. You've just shifted it over. That doesn't, that doesn't remove the back end or the low end of the scale. It just shifts it ahead. It's still going to be viewed as pain. But even if that's not the case, and even if people don't experience it as pain, if they no longer experience pain, I have to ask a very important fundamental question for the survival and fitness of the human race, and that is, where is the natural deterrent to avoid harmful things? If you say, we're just going to remove all unwanted suffering by not feeling any pain anymore, well, what happens to the necessary suffering? What happens to the pain that's supposed to deter you from, say, putting your finger on a hot stove? Don't do this at home, kids. Don't even try. But the point is, where does the deterrent for avoiding harm reside? Where does that go? Now you're just endangering the human race. Now you're actually causing more unwanted suffering. 
humans just don't know that they're suffering. They are still suffering. They just don't know it. So that doesn't resolve the problem. Even if you could do that, even if that did resolve the problem, senses can be mistaken. For example, you can have phantom pain or your nerves can misfire. Trying to change your sensations to resolve the problem of suffering means that you're ignoring the fact that senses are not always correct. You may think it's unwanted suffering. You may think it's unnecessary. It may not be. You may be wrong. But because you can no longer feel pain, because we've removed that now, you don't know what's necessary and what's not. And all the while, you're still physically outside of yourself experiencing pain. You're still physically experiencing pain. You just don't know that your body is undergoing that ordeal. Until you see effects, maybe, and then it may be way too late. In fact, in fact, if you decide to say, well, we're just going to numb the pain, for better or worse, this country, the United States, is going through that right now. So we need to discuss this. We need to discuss numbing pain. If you say, I'm just going to numb the pain, guess what else you cannot feel? Pleasure. You can't feel anything. That's even worse than not knowing that you're going through pain that needs to be resolved. Because now you don't even know what's good. If you numb pain, if you replace pain with numbness, not only can you not feel the pain that might be necessary, you can't feel the pleasure that might be good and encouraging. I don't know about you, but that is not good to me. That is not good. The whole point of trying to resolve unnecessary or unwanted suffering is to result in more good. That doesn't do it. This doesn't do that. You have to retain the ability to feel some kind of pain and some pleasure if you want to resolve this. Otherwise, you end up in a worse situation. What's the point of that? Okay, the fourth position we're going to take right now that we're going to look at and explore is this. Suffering depends on a lack of purpose. Therefore, you just need to give suffering a purpose 
and it's no longer unwanted or unnecessary. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder what this position would entail. It seems that if suffering is rested upon needing a purpose, it could very easily lead to fabrication of causes. In other words, you just make up a purpose. You just make it up. It's not truthful. You just just make it up so that it's no longer unnecessary suffering. Well, honestly, if you're making up the cause, the suffering's still unnecessary. You're just not thinking of it as unnecessary. It's much like the pain issue, but from a psychological angle. So instead of dealing with the physical pain, removing physical pain, now we've decided to try to remove psychological pain. Well, you're gonna end up with the same results the same problems as if trying to remove physical pain. The person just believes that it's necessary. In fact, if you did that, if you kept fabricating causes over and over and over again, not only would you not remove the suffering, you might be causing more suffering by lying. Not only would you be wanting to fabricate causes, you might be communicating that it's perfectly all right to self-justify consequentially compensatory behaviors. In other words, you're encouraging other people to engage in self-justification for their own bad actions or their own responses to that suffering and those responses themselves might cause more unnecessary suffering for example i did x because i am suffering and that suffering must have a purpose i must act in a way that justifies the purpose behind my suffering because otherwise If I don't give it a purpose, if I don't act in a way that justifies that purpose, that suffering is no longer necessary. It's unnecessary. That's a problem. So I have to justify it. That would seem to cause more unnecessary suffering. In addition to that, postulating that unnecessary suffering can only be resolved by giving it a purpose seems to justify the suffering. In other words, not only 
are you undergoing unnecessary suffering, but suddenly unnecessary suffering becomes justified because it's being given a purpose that may or may not be true while it continues. And in addition to that, it also, by inference and result, would ignore unjustified suffering. So because you can't justify the unnecessary suffering, you just ignore it. That only perpetuates the unnecessary suffering that's being ignored. For example, you might have heard someone say, in general, it's okay that this person hurt me for no moral or unselfish reason because I can grow from this experience. Because I can grow from this experience, it's okay that this person did something unjustified. That may feel very familiar to you, but guess what? It just justified something that can't be justified. And not only that, it infers that if you don't find a purpose to it, it doesn't deserve to be addressed. How that does not cause more unnecessary suffering, I would like explained to me. If you think that you can only resolve unjustified or unnecessary suffering by giving it a purpose, you are attempting to justify the unjustifiable and you are laying groundwork for other people suffering that unnecessary pain to be ignored. That doesn't remove the unnecessary suffering. It creates more of it. And finally, at a very foundational level, if the position is we need to give unnecessary suffering purpose, that behavior does not address the actual source of the suffering. Giving unnecessary suffering some kind of purpose is like stitching up a knife wound. Now, that's perfectly good. Maybe it heals it. Maybe it addresses it as an effect. But it doesn't remove the cause. Stitching a wound does not prevent further knife crime, for example. 
Sending victims to hospitals does not prevent more people from being hurt and then needing to go to hospitals. So simply taking a wound, an unnecessary point of suffering, and saying, well, we'll just stitch you up with a purpose, may address and heal that suffering at that moment, but it doesn't remove or address the root cause of that suffering. It doesn't prevent the unnecessary suffering. It doesn't remove it. It just addresses the consequence of it. Well, this has been quite a discussion, hasn't it? It doesn't seem that we can address unnecessary suffering by removing the human will or attempting to only remove bad actions or by replacing pain with pleasure or numbness or even by giving suffering a purpose. Maybe in those cases, we might just need to sit with it. Maybe when your friend's spouse comes to you and says, why do I have to suffer like this? You just accept them. Because trying to resolve it may only make matters worse. Maybe what we need to do is accept conditions and simply move on by seeking better ones. Real Philosophy is written and produced by me, Michael Spencer Harmon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Real Philosophy. If you'd like to get in contact, you can send an email to realphilosophypodcast at gmail.com. That's realphilosophypodcast, one word, at gmail.com. You can also look the show up on Twitter at realphilpodcast. Thanks very much. And if you do like the show, Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.